Whenever you are held captive by the enemy, know that the earnest prayer of the righteous results in your release. In this week's sermon, you're going to hear a message from our lead pastor, Felix Gilbert, titled, Prayer Changes Things. Let's go to God um, for, I'm um, at the end of our prayer series. Thank you, man. I appreciate you playing, John. Um, after the gathering, we're going to start on the book of Colossians, but I want to leave you with a thought. And, and let me tell you what I mean by the end of the prayer series. Um, we're going to be here for a long time because I think for the church to become anything, prayer has to be the root of our DNA. Amen? So you're going to see a lot of, of, of stuff going on as it relates to prayer, uh, what we're doing. But I just want to share something from the book of Acts this morning that, that um, just trust in God on what he once said. But I'm hoping we can hear what I'm going to say with you this morning. And then we're going to pick up in Colossians and we come back after the gathering. So um, let me just say this real quick and then we're going to go to the word. Uh, Lord, speak. Felix dies. So you have your way in our life. In your name we pray and thank you. Amen. So go to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. We're sitting on a ramp and somebody asked me, what's the introduction to your message? And I said, I don't know. And he said, you can get up and preach and don't know what your introduction is. I says, I don't know. I have an idea, but God's going to do what God wants done. You know, I have content, you know what I mean? I've I done my exegetical work and all that stuff, but I really want God to be free to move this morning. So I'm going to open up with a weird statement as you um, go to Acts chapter 12. You ever tell a person, mind your own business? Yeah. This is going to be weird, okay? Um, and I haven't had time to process it because I said you, I don't know what I'm going to say. Um, the reason you say that is because you've got stuff going on that you're embarrassed of or you don't want to be placed in a posture of accountability or you don't want the church involved like that in your life. Give me a little bit of credit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if I tell you, mind your own business, I'm saying to you, I got this. I don't need you involved with me in trying to fix it. I don't need you engaged in it because I can handle it. I don't think a Christian that's, um, let me find the right word. That's on the sanctification journey. Let me tell you what I mean by that. A Christian that's becoming all that God would have them to be, I don't think they should have business such that you can't know about it. Because it's indicative of the truth that something is broken somewhere. I ought to live my life such that when you see me, it's an open book. Do you think Jesus will ever say to you, hey, Jesus, what's going on? Mind your own business. Can you see him saying that? Then I think if we can't see him saying that, we ought not see ourselves <laughs> saying that because our call is to incarnate Christ, which means to be like him. 
right? So listen to the words I'm saying carefully. Um, we ought to live our life such that when we encounter each other, we can love each other in the truest sense of the world because the word, because we know each other. Here's the most frustrating thing for me as a pastor is a member or a person comes up to me and said, hey, Pastor Felix, and I say to them, how are you doing? I say, I'm doing fine. How's the family? Um, well, I didn't get a chance to tell you, but I'm not married no more. I got divorced. It's the most frustrating thing for me. And let me tell you why it's frustrating, because the whole time, being their leader, they were really saying to me, mind your own business. And they were going through calamities all by themselves. And then it's on the back end that you hear the news of the struggles that they were going through. You kind of get what I'm saying? And so I was never able to participate with them in allowing God to work in their life. Right? Or, hey, how's your son doing? Oh, didn't go well for him. He got locked up. I'm like, wow, what happened? And I've been seeing him every Sunday. Or You kind of get the deal, right? It's like you get, you get told about the business at the end of the business when it's too late to do anything. Right? And I think as we talk about prayer, the purpose of prayer is to get in your business so it doesn't end up like that. Okay, this is going to go against some things you might have heard. Pray for me. Y'all need to know what to pray for. Just pray. Okay. Lord, bless Suzette. But so, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm at the stage now in my walk with God, and I'm continuing to grow, where I don't care what you know about me. I don't care what you think about me. I don't care what you've heard about me. You kind of get what I'm saying? I'm at that stage now. I wasn't always there because when I invite you to pray for me, I'm going to tell you specifically what to pray for because I'm going to stop the foolishness in my life so I can get to where God would have me to be. Come on, let's. And it's only because I'm serious about my growth right now. You kind of get what I'm saying, guys? And there was a time when I wasn't like that. There was a time in my immaturity. So here's how Paul says it. When I was a child, I acted like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. So I want to become like Christ. And if God and Jesus himself would never say to you, mind your own business, I ought not say it. So if I got myself in some mess, I'd own the mess that I placed myself in and say, pray for me. Here's what I did. Is that all right, guys? I know this is against culture. I get it. I know it's against everything that you heard. I get it. I fully understand that. And I'm inviting you to disagree with me. It's okay. It's your thing. Do what you need to do. But, but when you go to God and you mention Felix, you're going to know what you're talking to God about. <laughs> you kind of get what I'm saying? Um, and when you see me and I share my testimony, you're going to know what the deal is. Does that make sense, guys? So I want to see marriages healed. I want to see um, people uh, restored. I want to see 
people get, you know what I mean? I want to see a, a healthy community, a healthy culture, a healthy wherever we find ourselves. But that's going to call for a different level of transparency with all of us. And I'm not saying we're going to get there tomorrow because people have business. But if our goal is to be like Christ, we need to get there, okay? Now, when you look at Acts chapter 12, I'm going to say to you, the early church was just like I just described to you. If you had business, they knew about it. When they prayed, they prayed pointedly for the business. And when God responded, God responded to the business that you prayed for. I'm saying that intentionally because when you look at the text, and we're going to read the text and walk through it in front of us, you're going to see a particular individual by the name of Peter going through something, but subsequent to that, you're going to see the churches themselves having challenges, but I want you to see how the church got together to pray so that God could move, and God did what God wanted to do in the midst. So jump, jump with me to um, Acts chapter 12, and this one verse that I want resonating in your spirit, and I want to take root, verse 5, and then I'm going to read... And we're going to teach on verses 5 through 17. So Acts chapter 12, and just jump down to verse 5. And I want to encourage you to keep your Bible open so we can see what God is saying and doing in our midst. Amen. Let's look at that. Um, before I read, uh, can we go to the next slide? I want to kind of walk through some stuff real quick. So we can get a feel, uh, make sure to get that. Here's what I want you to take away this morning. And that is whenever you are being held captive by the enemy, know that the earnest prayer of the righteous results in your release. Okay? Um, I've never been in prison per se, but one of the things I have heard and know about prison is the moment you go in, here's what they say, what you in for, man? Come on, don't act like y'all ain't been there. And everybody knows everybody's business in prison, right? Captivity, the reason some of us don't get out of jail is because we don't know how to pray and what to pray for. But we're held captive by the enemy, okay? So whenever you're held captive by the enemy, know that the earnest prayer of the righteous results in your release. Go to the next slide really, really quick. Um, so here's the thing. Prayer changes things. Turn to your neighbor real quick and say, neighbor. Prayer changes things. Come on, tell the other neighbor. Say, other neighbor, prayer. Yeah, come on, tell them, tell them, tell them. Yeah, 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 okay. Okay, next slide. Go to the next slide real quick. Let's go to that. Oh, that's, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm a mess, I not? <laughs> so prayer changes things, okay? So we're praying for Romo so he can get, you know, I'm just, yeah. <laughs> Um, go. Next slide, next slide, forward Broncos. Yeah, yeah, y'all going to be this preacher, man. He just, so yeah, you, I mean, I, I need prayer. I really do. I need, I mean, I'm, I'm being serious about it. So, yeah, I believe the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous is powerful. Yeah, so when that brother comes up, we're going to know what happened. Okay. So, look with me at the text. Get back serious real quick. Okay, go back to the text. Now, and I want these points to stay on the screen because I, I want to just talk through some things. I just want to land on, on a hard thing that I want us to take away. When you look at verse 1, uh, here's what verse 5 told me. I'm back up. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him 
was made to God by the church. One more time. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now look at verse 1. Verse 1 says, about that time, Herod the king had laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. Verse 2 says, he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. And then it says, this was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison Deliver him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. Okay, so let me begin here by just, come on, say, it was, say about that time. Say it again, say about that time. If you were to do your literary contextual work and back up to verse uh, chapter 11, and you can do that when you go home, you're going to find that the church or the New Testament church had just been birthed. And let me tell you what I mean by that. Um, Christ had just ascended to go be with the Father in the entire book of Acts. The Holy Spirit had just ascended and the earth realm was resting within people. And um, the word of God was being spread from Jews to Gentiles. And then when you get to chapter 11, believers in this city known as Antioch were starting to live out the gospel. In other words, they were starting to incarnate Christ such that the word of God was spreading throughout the community. And the way the author of, of Acts states it, he says it was in Antioch that they were first called Christians. Okay, so now the word Christian now has just come onto the scene and the believers in Antioch had collected an offering to help the believers in Jerusalem and they were going to take this offering to them. Then all of a sudden, this king comes on the scene, this monarch, he arises, he raises to authority and his name is Herod Antipas and he was the ruler of the time and if you were to do your research or your background study on this fellow, you'd find that he was known as the ruler or the king of the Jews. Now, the striking thing about Herod is that he had developed favor with the Jews, and then all of a sudden, the Jews who named the name of God, there was this new sect known as Christians that surfaced to the scene, and the gospel was being propagated. So here's Herod's goal. He sets out now to stop Christianity or stop the word of God from being spread in the culture. So when verse 12 opens up, it opens up by saying, about that time, Herod laid, and look at what it says, violent hands on some who belonged to the church. Okay? Now here's what's happening. God's word was just about to go forth. And then the enemy comes on the scene just like he did when Christ was about to be born, when Moses came on the scene on the Old Testament. His goal is that whenever God is about to do something fresh in the earth realm, he's going to step in to try to intercept it. So the author says he laid violent hands on some who belong to the church, meaning that he set out to kill, he set out to destroy, he set out to stop everything that God was going to do. And what's striking about those who belong to the church, it was the leadership of the church that he tried to kill. Does anybody in here know that if you cut the head off, the body is ineffective? Oh, come on, come on, say, say, I want y'all to track with me this morning. If you cut the head off, the body is ineffective. So here's what this point says. 
Whenever you are realizing your destiny in Christ, the enemy will attempt to capture you and imprison you with intentional plans to kill you. Now, here's the reason why. He doesn't want you or I doing what God created us to do. So here's how this looks. Whenever you are about to embark on a new season in your life, a new place in your life, a new, another level, so to speak, you will be amazed at how the enemy will step in to try to place you in captivity to keep you captive so you don't get to that next place with God. And more times than often when he comes, he's not coming after your foot. He's not coming after your hand. He's not coming after those parts that are ineffective. He is going straight for the head because he wants to stop you. And you wonder why you've experienced the difficulties and the challenges in life. Maybe it is that God was just about to take you to the next level. So I want y'all to hear me. Put challenges, put problems, put situations in perspective. The enemy is coming. The moment you name the name of God at that time. (laughs) Oh, come on, say amen this morning. He's going to come. This is what was happening. So here's how the text picks up. Verse 2 says, he had killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And if you know anything about James and John, these were the sons of Zebedee. These were the guys, if you hear of Jesus' inner circle, Peter, James, and Come on, y'all know this. And so notice how the church is about to be birthed. The church is about, they're just being called Christians. And the first thing the enemy does is he empowers Herod Antipas I to go after Jesus' inner circle. I got James, and I killed him. Then the next two that falls in line, John and yeah, you guys get it. And Peter. Are you with me? I, w- I want you all to track with me. Now, let me say this, and, and, and I'm just going to say this in passing, okay? By virtue of the fact, and this is free information, that he was able to take James off the scene is indicative of the divine truth that James' assignment was completed on earth. There's good news in that. Because if you're sitting here listening to me, you're not done yet. <laughs> yeah, I want y'all to hear me. Are you with me? Uh, but because those that are done, those that have completed their assignment, God has already taken them home. And whatever vehicle he chooses to take them home, if it's through martyrdom, if it's through a car accident, if it's through a bullet, if it's through sickness, truth still exists, they're done. But if you're sitting here looking at me, listening to me, smiling at me, there's good news that God is not done with you yet. And, and, and the bad news in that, though, is that the enemy is going to try to interrupt God's process in your life. Are you guys with me this morning? Okay. He got James. Now watch this. This is very, very important. And verse 3, when he saw that it pleased the Jews, in other words, those people who had not yet given their life to Christ, he goes after the next leader. He proceeded to arrest Peter. And then look at some information that the, the author give us. It was during the days of unleavened bread. When he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to Four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. Important information. Passover, you remember, was the feast where the Israelites would celebrate after they were delivered or under deliverance from Egypt. 
And so what would happen, this day's celebration would be followed by seven days of celebrating the unleavened bread. So it was a total of eight days that this feast went on that they would refer to as the Passover. So during the Passover, the Jews would not allow anything to happen and or to go on because it would be considered a desecration to them. So the thing that saved Peter's life after he got caught was the feast of the Passover. I'm going to let you all think for a while. Because the things that save in your life is the feast of the Passover where when the enemy came to take you out, he saw the blood on the top and, <laughs> and on the side and he knew he had to pass. Oh, you come on, are you with me? And he had no access. Come on, are you with me? So this, y'all going to track with me in a little while because this brings truth to the statement that by virtue of the fact that I'm sitting here looking at you, you didn't keep yourself. God protected you because he caused the enemy to pass over you because you're still in the middle of the feast. I wish I had somebody here this morning that can track with me. And as long as you're in the feast celebrating Passover, the enemy can't get to you because God will not allow him. You're covered and you're protected, but prayer. I wish I had somebody in here. Come on, say, I'm in the Passover. Say it again, say, I'm in the Passover. And so, so, so here's what I want y'all to lock. When you're realizing your destiny in Christ, um, the enemy is going to attempt to capture and imprison you with intentional plans to kill you. We must know that, okay? Look at the next verse, verse 5. So Peter was arrested now. Four guards. Come on, say four, say four squads. Now, let me tell you what that means. Let me tell you what that means. A squad is four guys, and they had four of these squads. You can do the math. So, the intent was that I'm going to have two guys strapped to his side, two by the, one by the door, inner and outer, such that if he make it past these, he sure enough won't get past those. And if you were to ask me the reason that Antipas put such security in place is he had heard in Acts chapter 5 that Peter was in jail before. And the enemy tried to kill him before. But somehow this God that he serves <laughs> delivered him. So, so when the enemy shows up, this is important, it won't be the first time he has attempted. Are you with me? But this God that you serve, I wish I had somebody in here, is able. So he had the news that Peter had attempted or had escaped before. So here's what I'm going to do. This time, I'm going to put 24-7 watch on him. So for all of the six-hour periods in the 24-hour day, I want two on his side, one by the inner door, one by the outer door, to make sure he doesn't escape. So he was under secure watch 24 hours a day, uh, seven days a week, because the, the feast was eight days long. Y'all know this, come on, to guarantee that at no point in time was Peter ever left by himself. Now, look at verse 5. So, Peter was kept in prison, but, and I love this word. Now, before, this was earnest prayer. You got what? Some, give me some of the words that you're. It says earnestly. King James, is it? 
is King James. Give me another translation. What word? Say that again. Who? Constantly. Good. Who else? Give me some other words. Yeah, talk to me, y'all. Without season. Without season. Somebody else. Keep going. Any other words that we're hearing that, that your translations may have before prayer? This is important. This is important. Okay? Um, so Peter was kept in prison, but constantly, without ceasing, earnest prayer for him was made by the church. This is where I go with the you can't have business stuff if you're serious about God. That word earnest in the Greek speaks to constantly, without ceasing, never ending. In other words, they didn't just come Saturday at 6 o'clock and at 7 or 7.30 they went home. In other words, they didn't come Wednesday night at 6.30 and prayed till 7.30 and then went home. In other words, they didn't, they didn't wake up in the morning before they go to work and just prayed and then got up and went to work. That's not what earnestly means. Earnestly meant that if the enemy is slick enough to put 24-7 watch on this guy, we're going to set up a 24-7 prayer vigil. <laughs> That's what earnestly meant. So this is me. I'm not saying it's in the text. I can imagine they put a big board on the wall, and they start with from 12 at night to 12 the next day, 24-7, and write your name. So just like the enemy had him covered with security, the church had him covered. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that kind of prayer ain't mind your business kind of prayer. Because <laughs> you don't go to God for stuff that you don't know what. I wish I had somebody in here, okay? This kind of prayer is we want to see results kind of prayer. It's God, you've got to move because if the head is cut off, destiny will not be realized. God, if you said upon this rock, I'm going to build my church and, and the faith that Peter exemplified is the foundation of the church and if the devil is bold enough to go after you, I wish I had somebody in here. Your pillar and your foundation, if he's crazy enough to take four squadrons of four guards to set him up 20 24-7, we are crazy enough to set the same thing up because we know that the effectual fervent prayer of the church is powerful and no demon in hell can transcend our prayer. Are you hearing me? So man, them jokers set up a prayer vigil. Lord have mercy. Now I'm about to jack you up. And I don't know how far I'm going to get in this message, and I'm cool if I don't get far. I just want to share this. Now watch this. So earnest prayer for him was made to God, and then the phrase is what? By the what? Come on, everybody say, by what? One more time, by what? Now let me, I like that. You go, girl. No, don't quiet that girl. You let that baby talk. Yeah, let her say amen. She might be the only dog on amen I get. I'm going to take it. <laughs> so listen, church, ecclesia, not kahal. Two different words. What the ecclesia says, it speaks to the congregation of believers that extend beyond the borders 
And some of y'all know the story of the house where John Mark and Mary lived. So when it says the church prayed, it's not talking about only the members of Restoration. Yeah, 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 yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't just the folk that resided in Jerusalem. You've got to understand, if you have any sense and any framework of systematic theology, and you go back to Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit landed, before, while they were speaking in tongues, here's how Acts says it. They're present at Jerusalem with Jews from all over. Come on. And it starts to list the litany of nations represented from across the world. And the author pointedly says about 3,000 people gave their life to Christ that day. Now, you've got to track with me. Those from Africa went back to Africa and started a church. Those from Lystria went back to Lystria and started a, yeah. Those from Pamphylia went back to Pamphylia and they started a church. Those from Crete went back to Crete and they started, y'all going to get this in a little while. So when the text says that the church prayed for Peter while the enemy had him in prison, it's not talking about a small group of people. It's talking about the church universal. In other words, and back then they didn't have Facebook, so they couldn't put a post and get that thing out. Come on, you've got to see the effort that went into spreading the word, and they only had less than eight days to get the whole world involved without the mass communication systems that we have, that the church all over the world engaged in prayer because the enemy was trying to stop what God was trying to do. And we've got nerve to say, mind your own business and wonder why God isn't moving. It's because the God that you're praying to is too small. He's only restricted to the small church that you and nobody else outside your circle of influence is involved with you in prayer. Who's praying for you, mama? Is she the only one that know God? Girl, I ain't telling nobody else because they want to get in your business. What you got business for? I thought you needed prayer. So you just want deliverance so you can keep doing what you do? I'm talking prayer, y'all. I'm talking going to God who is all-knowing, God who is omniscient, God who is all-seeing, God who is everywhere at the same time. If you want to take that thing to God, it doesn't matter how it gets there. You invoke every vehicle possible because the goal of the prayer is when it's responded, you live a transformed life and stop living the same craziness. And the prayer, the response comes, our behaviors ought to change. So the reason I won't tell you what to pray for is because I like what I'm doing and I don't want you to know about it then don't expect God to respond. Can we just talk about the importance of prayer? I remember when I, and I know I'm belaboring this thing, but, but I remember when I got, was sick with cancer, my wife was so crazy, and, and, and she, I think she invoked the world. I will never forget, I went on a mission trip to Africa and got off the plane in Africa, went to the host church, and there was this other church that I had never heard about lined up at the church of this host church. And here's what they say. 
Pastor Felix, can you come to our church because the people who were praying for you needs to see you. Liberia, Monrovia, Liberia. I'll never forget, we did a cruise. We had to do a, a conference on a cruise ship. I'm down in the Caribbean. We got off the boat on this little island called Dominica. You wouldn't know Dominica because it's the one that got demolished by the storm in this past hurricane and all that good stuff. We got off the boat, and there's a congregation of people standing outside the boat, and they're cheering. Here's what they said. We just needed to see you because we had heard God answered our prayers. You kind of get what I'm saying? Take that thing global. But you'll never do that if you got business. <laughs> Let me give you another one. I told y'all I'm going on 33 years of marriage, and I keep saying this over and over again. And, and, and the reason my marriage is, is, is healthy now and Katani and I can talk through stuff is because she busted me. Let me tell y'all what busted means so y'all don't go creating stuff. Yeah. But I know y'all, ooh, girl, you caught him? Yeah. <laughs> I know y'all. I just know church folk. Amen. Because y'all got business. Amen. <laughs> but she went global with our marital issues. She engaged the world in prayer. And in some cases told them what they were praying for. But look at the results. And ask me if I care about what you think. Ask me if I care about what you heard. Ask me if I care about what you, ask me, just ask me. Are you with me? I'm never going to say it's not your business. I'm going to say look at what God did. Uh, Y'all not hearing me. So the point I'm trying to make in this when you are trapped in bondage by the prison, that's your key to release the church in prayer. Are you with me? Such that when you find yourself in captivity, you engage the church. And when I'm talking about the church, you've got to find anybody that you know have access to God. And you say, listen, go to God because the enemy has set up 24-7 watch. I need 24-7 prayer for my deliverance, for my healing, for my freedom, so that God can have his way in my midst. The effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous is powerful. Is this making sense, guys? Come on, say amen if you hear me this morning. I want y'all to hear me. I know you're wrestling with this because you're like, I don't know if I want prayer now. Yes, you. <laughs> It'll make you live better. Are you with me? You'll live in a better position of accountability. There is freedom in that. Okay? Let me hit this last two and I'm going to pause. Go to the next one real quick. Go to number two. Number two. Go to number two real quick. So here's the thing. When you were held captive by the enemy, encourage the saints to earnestly engage in prayer to God, engage God in prayer for you. Are you turning to your neighbor? neighbor? Engage God in prayer. And then say it for me. Come on, say it. Do it for me. Say it again. Say do it for me. Go to the third one. Go to the third one. Look at this real quick, okay? Now, here's the thing. This is what I want to say, and then we're going to hit the last one. When God, when the church engages God in prayer, here's what God does. He sends his angel to release you from what? 
Now, don't miss that word church. I just defined the church to you. The church extends beyond the borders of your family. The church extends beyond the borders of your core group. The church extends beyond the border of just your spouse. But before you can go there, you've got to be done with what took you there. Are you with me? Because when you do that, God releases his angel. If you're not done with what you're doing and you're saying, pray for me or the situation that caused you to be there, don't expect God to release his angel because it will be a waste of the angel's time. If heaven has to be involved in your deliverance, there's life transformation action that takes place. Here's my favorite dude. When you encounter God, what you do next dictate what you really believe about God. So when you see the bush burning and you show up to experience it, when you leave the bush, you're not going to be the same. Okay? When the angel came down from heaven and wrestled with Abraham, you're going to track with me, um, uh, Jacob, thank you, wrestled with Jacob. When Jacob left the fight, he wasn't the same. Are you with me? If you're trying to fool somebody into thinking that God sent his angel and you still look the same, quit lying to yourself. Yeah, 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 okay? Those are people who have business. When God does that, when he releases that angel, it sets you free from captivity, okay? Now, you all know the story. Let me just read it. Let me just read it. I don't want to go to verse 6 because some of y'all won't read it. You can go home and watch the Broncos and not the Cowboys. And so, um, so I need y'all to say a pretty good choice. Ushers, take them out. <laughs> yeah. So, verse 6, when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, come on, say the very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries, that's guard, before the door were guarding the prison. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, dress yourself, put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. And he did not know what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. Verse 10. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate of leading to the city, and it opened for them of its own accord. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. That's some miraculous stuff. Okay? That's some miraculous stuff. That's how God moves, okay? The reason you got out of the car accident and the other person didn't is because God dispatched his angel because the church was praying for you. Are you with me? The reason the overdose didn't take you out, even though you shouldn't have been doing it, is because God released his angels and miraculously brought you out. The reason the sickness didn't take you out, the reason the divorce, the reason the bankruptcy, the reason all that stuff couldn't take you out and because God was not done with you yet, he released his angel. And the angel miraculously brought you out. Are you hearing me? I don't want to deal with that much. 
Now let me show you the last thing, then we're going to stop. Go to this real quick. This is the problem with the church. Last one. When released from captivity, your testimony of God's faithfulness always results in someone else's release. Always. Listen to me carefully, church. And, and I want to be loving, gentle, and I want you to hear my spirit. If you can't talk about what God did, you're still in it. Be honest with yourself. Either you're dealing with the hurt, you're dealing with the wounds, you're dealing with pride, you're dealing with something. Okay? Because here's how it works. When God brings you out, well, let me back up. Maybe you're still in process of being brought out, and that's okay. That's okay, okay? Because the things that I'm comfortable sharing now, I wasn't always comfortable sharing, especially just after the deliverance. And it's okay. It's, it's okay. I was embarrassed. I had my shame. I had all that kind of stuff. And, and it's cool. I wasn't ready yet. Are you with me? So it's okay for you not to be ready yet. Okay, but stay on path if folk are praying when God delivers you. The reason he brings you out is so you can go back in and get somebody else out. Because you're a testimony of the faithfulness of God. Are you with me? And then they in turn can release and invoke the church in prayer so the church can be what God would have us to be. So here's how he says it to Simon in the book of Luke. He said, Simon, Simon, um, Satan has asked me to sift you as wheat. And then he says it this way, but I have prayed for you. And then notice what he says, and when you return, do what? strengthen your brothers, right? So here's Simon saying, God, I'm never going to deny you. I'm never going to betray you. And here's God saying to him, I've invoked the church in prayer, dude, and you don't even know it. So you are going to fail, but the point is not your failure. Don't stay in the failure. Get up because I'm going to deliver you from it. But when you get up from it, don't think it was all about you. It's what I did in you, through you. So now you can go get somebody else. And now the enemy's trying to stop him from spreading the word. When God releases you from captivity, your testimony of the faithfulness of God always results in someone else's release from the enemy. Churches today, y'all don't get upset with me, okay? Come back. <laughs> Are filled with phony folk that act like they hadn't done nothing. <laughs> Let me help you out. If you were perfect, you'd be Jesus. <laughs> but by virtue of the fact that you didn't go to Calvary to die for my sins, nor the sins of the person sitting next to you, it's indicative of the truth that we all need God just the same. Come on, say amen. Are you with me? Are you with me? So, Pastor Derek, I'll help you in your struggle. If God has brought me through what you're going through, you ought to know that he brought me out, and I ought to be a sign of encouragement to you that you don't have to stay where you are. God can bring you out. Are you with me? There's somebody in here that was strung out on crack cocaine, and now you're looking down your nose at the person that's going through the same struggle, acting about how dare they. No, 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 no. The same God that brought you out ought to be the same God you ought to tell this person that God can bring them out through. Somebody in here is struggling with that bottle of alcohol 
alcohol and you looking down at your nose at the neck, how dare they drink? How dare? No, 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 no. The same God that brought you out, he brought you out so you can be a testimony to the person that's going through that if they can invoke the church in prayer, they don't have to stay where they are. Somebody in here had children out of wedlock and now the little girl walks in church and she's pregnant and you're ready to vote her out and put her out. No, 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 no. The same God that gave you grace and brought you through your situation ought to be the same God that ought to help that young lady in her struggles. But we act like we hadn't done nothing. Ah. Prayer it's all about when God does what God's going to do and he releases his angel, you ought to be bold enough to say, I used to have business, but God. Are you hearing me? But God. But God. I pray one day for a church where folk that are having marital difficulties can come and they can say, pray for me. He got on my reserve nerve. Amen. And those of us that know what that looked like, girl, let me tell you about my dude. And let me tell you what God did. Are you with me? And you surround that person in prayer, and the men surround him in prayer, and we start to encourage him, and we start to encourage each other such that the marriages are healed. You guys are not hearing me, where somebody can say, pray for me this morning. I, I can't help but walk by the marijuana store. I just want to turn in here. I just did. And, 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 and they can, y'all not hear me. And somebody can say, that used to be my struggle, but God brought me through. And you can go to that person and put your arm around them and pray for them. But man, we're so phony in our deliverance. And we want prayer to be effective. If God answers to our prayer when he releases us from captivity, that testimony ought to let somebody know I don't care what demon is inhabiting you now. I used to have one just like that. And the church was able to get that demon out of me. We can get that out of you. Are you with me? But if folk come to church and when they look around, they see about a whole bunch of holy, saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, sinless people. I guess I don't fit into that church because they have their act together. No, they don't. Are you with me, guys? So here's why I'm saying this, and I'm done. When we go to God in prayer, part of the, the maturity continuum is to learn to be transparent. Amen. What you in here for? Don't lie about it. Because lying about it says you're not ready for deliverance yet. Nobody has a heaven or hell to put you in. That's if you sure enough want deliverance. Are you with me? Now, here's a sad commentary about church people. They'll talk about you. Heck, unsafe folk could talk about you. It just hurts more when church people do it. Because <laughs> you don't expect that. Be bigger than that. It's about what God can do. Are you with me? It's about what God can do in you what God can do through you. 
my prayer is that we would all get to the place where when there's a need in this fellowship, when there's a need somewhere, we can engage the body of Christ in prayer and know that prayer indeed changes things. Bow your heads with me. Bow your heads with me. Holy Spirit, as the worship team comes, you're a wonderful God. Mighty God, gracious God, awesome God. Peter was kept in prison, but the church earnestly prayed to God for him. Every person that's in here, God, that might be in a prison situation, as we change our culture to one of prayer, we see this altar, God, where sickness is being healed. Finances are being restored. Homes are being restored. Jobs are being restored, God. Men are being restored. Women are being restored. Because while the enemy has us in prison, the church is earnestly praying to God on behalf. So Holy Spirit, Lord, as we transition to pass over and go to the Lord table, God, I am praying, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us. Let us all search our hearts. 